Hello and welcome, ladies and gentlemen. It's your favourite time of the season. Yes, that's right. It's the mid-international break return of the Denalysis Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm not going to lie, it's been tough on all of us. I even resorted to watching the footballing rebirth of Mkhitaryan in the Armenia versus Bosnia and Herzegovina match earlier today. It wasn't fun. Um, but we're only a week away from a return to the good stuff and I can't wait. As always, I'm your host Dan and I'm joined by Natalie. And I think we should have a quick catch up on where we're at since uh, since last game week with our teams. So Natalie. Yes. How have you done over the break? Have you made any major changes? Are you comfortable with where where you're at considering sort of whatever happened last game week um so I scored average last game week like I think I was two points over average or something um I had I was gonna wild card but the problem was that my wild card was too tame like really I wanted to only make four changes and they were all fairly sensible and that's not what wild card is for we don't want none of that sensible rubbish well exactly so instead i just haven't made any transfers whatsoever i love it it's genuinely inspirational thank you do you and you just have the one free transfer right yeah so where are you at right now what are you looking are you looking to make any at all no or are, you, are you rolling yeah oh damn i love it my team looks okay apart from i've just seen that trossard is injured no no what it's really not as ill He's 75% chance of playing groin injury. Ah, uh, he'll be fine. It's just a yellow. That's fine. I-, I can't be worrying about that. Oh my God, no. In terms of like your starting 11, it's all looking good. You're not like shitting I'm, yourself. Yeah, I'm playing Diop and Dunk. I love it. I've got Diop in my team as well, which feels weird because obviously West Ham, not renowned for their, their clean sheets and whatnot, but they did walk away with a clean sheet last week, which yeah. was very, very exciting. I had a really good week last week, so it's always a lot easier to be relaxed about your team when you do well, I guess. Um, and it was a good time to do well going into the international break because I kind of had an idea of what I wanted to do. Uh, the week before, I was thinking about taking a little minus four to bring Allaire and I think it was Cantwell. He yeah. was the other guy I was going to bring in because I was like, I basically I wanted to get Alaren because I really like him. But the issue for me would have been to do that. I have Tillemans and um, Perez, Ayuse Perez, still sitting in my team last week. And I think I would have taken Tillemans out for Cantwell and Tillemans got 12 points. So I'm glad I didn't do that. And also Cantwell, I, I know Alaire scored. I think he got two bonus points, finished on eight or something. Um, but actually the combination of Tierlemans and Diop, who came off the bench for my Iose Perez, was a, a full 20 points. Whereas I would have got instead zero points from Perez, two from Cantwell. And uh, I would have had eight from Alaire, but also that would have been on a minus four. So I'm so glad I didn't take that minus four. Just gave me that extra week to kind of chill out a little bit. And now I've made a, a double transfer, Alaire. It feels like the right move. He feels he feels good to me. He looks like a great player. And um, what was the other one? I brought, I took De La Feu out for Alaire and, oh, I brought Gwendouzi in. I ended up uh, being priced out of the uh, the sort of transfer for someone like Ceballos or um McGinn or one of those like 5.6 5.7 midfielders and decided to roll with 
Gwendouzi as a fifth midfielder just to have a little bit of spare cash. Uh, he's at 4.5 rather than Cantwell, who's at 4.8 now, I think. And just the, the freedom to be able to... Um, to know that I have that extra like 0.3 laying around if I want to make some more wholesale changes to my team later on. Uh, but yeah, it, it's looking pretty good going forward. I think the focus for me has been getting a team where I'm happy with all of the, the fixtures that, uh, well, so that I have at least 11 every week that have a fairly good fixture for the next sort of four or five weeks. And that's been how I'm approaching it. It makes, just kind of puts my mind at ease a little bit. Uh, but I think we're going to start by looking at a bunch of teams and all of this will be through the lens of if you're on a wild card but also we'll we'll look at it from a sort of do I only have one transfer or do I only have two transfers uh, mindset as well uh, but we want to look at some of the teams that in September have really really great fixtures and are looking really good and it would be worth piling on with so who takes your fancy from this group of teams Natalie who do you want to start with? We'll start with Man City, where any good man should start. Everyone's favourite team of good players. So the headline ticket at the moment is Aguero. He's gone up to 12.1. He looked really, really sharp against... Uh, who did they just play? Who they Brighton, who they just hammered. And he scored uh, one goal in particular. It was really, really incredible. Um, really great long shot um yeah Aguero was amazing and I think the the thing with City is if you're on a wild card Aguero looks hella tempting if you're not on a wild card I know there are a lot of people who are rolling with sort of three uh three cheaper forwards or maybe like their most expensive forward is someone like Vardy or Firmino and it can be quite hard to make that move and with City I think you know, I have Walker, Kevin De Bruyne and Sterling at the moment. And that to me seems like, you know, having a City defender and two sort of attacking players from City seems like the optimal lineup. But of course, City have very, very good fixtures coming up. And with Norwich away from home next, that looks like a classic Sergio Aguero five goal hall sort of fixture and even a potential triple captaincy sort of um, game. So so how do you feel about, about Aguero and... Uh, fitting him into your team Natalie what what are your thoughts on him yeah so if I had like a traditional team setup where you have like one expensive striker and like one expensive midfielder and then some slightly expensive ones and etc etc yeah there is no way that Aguero would not be my high value first choice striker <laughs> like that there is absolutely no way that wouldn't be my situation alas that's not how we're set up this year so we're rolling without but <laughs> um yeah i mean he's the top scoring forward in the game at the moment maybe he's the highest scoring player in the game at the moment i reckon sterling is still ahead of him probably. no sterling's only got 37 and aguero's got 40 are you kidding me damn is, is he the highest scorer then yeah he's currently the highest scoring player in the game Okay, that's interesting. Van Arnholt is currently the highest scoring defender in the game, which is quite mad. That's I'm a little bit gutted about that one actually because uh, in hindsight, he's that too seems expensive, like, Dan. He's way too expensive. He he is, but he's the sort of player that I think uh, there are a few of these as well. Um, I think Ayuso Perez last season was one of these as well. But it's where if you get him at the right time of the season, yeah. he is amazing. And like Van Arnholt for me is a player that at the start of the season. Um, when everything's a little bit up in the air in a double game week 
and in a blank game week because uh, Palace are always playing in the blank game week because they never make it anywhere in the Aww, FA Cup. Oh, poor Palace. Van Arnholt is just a shoo-in in my team because he is always the one that you bet on to to get an assist or two assists or a goal in one of those like one-off games where you don't have many options. Yeah. So um, I, I absolutely love him as a player for, for fantasy. But it's just... It was one at the start of the season I was looking at him and I had him in a lot of my drafts and then I was just like, no, I'm just going to do the the sort of safe, you know, Van Dyke Robertson and uh, I think it was Luca Dean who I settled on in the end. And now I've got rid of Robertson for Walker to free up some money. But yeah, back to Aguero. I mean, he looks really, really incredible. Like I said, he's got Norwich next and that is, uh, Norwich are very much the whipping boys for the, the real big players like Luis Suarez always used to score loads against them as well. So for me, I, I like the idea of at least having a City defender because that's, I, I know clean sheets haven't been super frequent so far, but like they are one of two teams in this league that are going to constantly keep clean sheets. Yeah. And just having a guy like Walker at 6 million who will get six points quite regularly and might pop up with a goal now and then, I think that is better value than me maybe putting all of it on the city attack but I do feel quite strongly that KDB I mean he's up to 9.8 now that price is becoming less and less attractive but with the fixtures and just how important he is to that team he looks kind of like a shoe-in at the moment I think actually if you're going Aguero up top and you do want another attacker KDB is like kind of guaranteed to start and cheaper than Sterling. So maybe I'd do that. Yeah, I, I think if you're going for a combination of attackers, that makes a lot more sense to me. Mm. Um, the Sterling versus Aguero one is kind of interesting because, I mean, I think over the season, Sterling is still going to outscore Aguero. I, I still feel like um, if you look at the way that City have been playing recently, it's really all about Sterling. And Aguero has been getting goals. So even if you look at the goal... Um, the I think it was his second goal against Brighton where he just took a shot from outside the box. And it was it was one of those goals that, you know, Aguero will score because he's a great player. But that's not the typical Man City goal anymore. The typical Man City goal now is the cross uh, cross into the box and tap him from five yards. And who is the player that's getting all of those goals? It's usually Sterling. Um uh, and, and that's just by virtue of him playing on the wing and, and sort of coming inside. So I think Aguero is still very, very valuable. But for me, it's it's one or the other. It's are you investing in 12.1 Aguero or are you going for Sterling? Who's how much is he now? 11.3, I think. Sterling? Yeah. 12.3. Are you kidding me? He's that expensive. <laughs> yeah, he's I didn't even realise. Yeah. It's, you know what this is weird because I've had him in my team since the start so I just didn't actually think about it I just assumed I'd got him for 11 but right okay and <laughs> that means Salah must have been 12.5 12. yeah right okay so actually no that that is an interesting one because I mean the price difference is nominal uh so for me like it's a it's a gamble it's like which one do you think is going to do better and for me it's sterling over the course of a season but if you're talking about one-off games, like Aguero is definitely the player that can score five goals in a game. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I hate to be inconclusive about it, but it really depends on where you're losing out. Because, you know, my team, I have Aubameyang up front. 
I'd much rather have Aubameyang and Sterling than, say, like, Aguero and, I don't know, who's a mid... <laughs> I was going to say Aguero and Pepe. Ooh. <coughs> Stay oh. chill. Stay <laughs> Yeah, I've already got my Pepe plans anyway. KDB's got to be the, <laughs> the full guy the full for guy. that. Yeah, but I, I'm not getting rid of him before he plays Norwich. Hell no. Yeah, it's really tough because it all depends on on who loses out. Because if you have, for me, like Aubameyang and Sterling is a great pairing. Um, But if you're saying maybe Aguero, KDB and Salah, like that is a a different question. So it all comes down to sort of where your team is at. But for me, like Sterling over the course of the season, he's got to prove his value a lot more. I think this team is set up to serve Sterling and we're going to see that continue throughout the season. Um, so yeah, I, I, I don't know, like what are your thoughts on Sterling versus Aguero? Do you have a, a favorite out of the two or are you just sticking with Sterling because that's a guy you've got? Yeah, it's definitely the latter. What if you were on a wild card? Would you think of getting Aguero instead of Sterling? No, I don't. It's really hard. I think it's really hard to, which is partly the reason why I was like, fine, I won't wild card now is because we are still so early in the season. It's hmm. so hard to like kind of know what's going on. Like, maybe, for whatever reason, Jesus will come back in and then he'll be the guy hmm. and Aguero will be out. Like, you just don't know. Yeah. You don't know what's going to happen. Um, so, no, at the moment, I mean, if unless for some peculiar reason you're really, really unhappy with whoever you currently have, um, I think it's probably just worth sticking hmm. with that guy. Because, like, you can always change them later. That's not a big deal. Yeah. Well, I think you've hit on quite a good point there in the sense of like it it being a, a case of if, if you're really unhappy with who you have, then it kind of makes sense. But then that's a problem like that you ha- regularly have with fantasy football is you always want the guy that just scored. And yeah. you kind of need to take yourself out of it and be a little bit more, um, I don't want to say cautious or like conservative about it, but just like don't just make the move because it's the popular move right now unless you really feel like if you have a gut feeling and you're like Aguero is gonna smash it for the next however many weeks like it's fine to make that move and this goes for football coverage as a whole like we get so invested in what just happened and like making big dramatic conclusions over what happened in the last game and that's just not how football works like you don't Oh, well, apparently if you're Watford, it, it's all about your last four games. <laughs> but um, no, it, it, I think you need to be a little bit more in this early stage. Just take a little bit more info in. And that was how I approached last week, why I didn't take a minus four. And I know there are probably a million examples of people who didn't take a minus four. And then they realized I should have taken the minus four because it would have been better. But I feel like it's in your interest to really not just rip up your team because you can um because I still feel like we have a lot to learn about the teams in the league so far and what we do know is Sterling was amazing last season and will probably be amazing again and he scored for England again the other day and yeah for me unless you're really really deeply unhappy with your team and you're on a wild card and you're like I need Aguero because I'm so hyped I I think Sterling is still the way to go and KDB is just offering phenomenal value um David Silver is another guy I want to shout out actually I was big on him last year uh obviously also uh Laporte is out injured which I feel like we should just mention in passing do you think that's going to affect their defense at all I have absolutely no idea I feel like the way that Man City play like they have so much of the ball 
it sort of doesn't matter unless Otamendi comes in and is making like horrendous mistakes 24 seven, then mm. I think they'll be fine. Um, and yeah, I think this just opens up a, an interesting option in someone like Otamendi. I don't know what's happening with Stones at the moment. I assume he's David Silver. I think he's gone up to 7.6 now. Should really have the transfer thing open, shouldn't I? Probably. Oh no, he's 7.5. He must have dropped then and come back up because I saw he rose the other day in price. He's an interesting one because I, I've, I'm a really big fan of David Silver. I had him a lot last season and I didn't have the best season, but there were times when he really, really came through for me. And he's been kind of at the heart of everything, much like De Bruyne has. And uh, I, I think he's an interesting one to watch because he does seem to start every game. Um, there'll probably come a time in the season where he stops playing so many games and that'll be around Christmas where you see more rotation because he is like 34 now. But he's, he looks like a really good short-term option if you don't have the money for someone like uh De Bruyne and you want someone who's kind of a guaranteed starter who has a good chance of, of doing well uh, and I think he's just looked really really bright so far so he shouldn't be ignored uh, guys like Mares, not even on my radar like Bernardo Silva as well they are far too rotation prone at the moment and I think it's very clear what City's first choice team is now uh, moving on then let's look at their title rivals Liverpool where do you want to start Nat they have Newcastle next that's well, a lovely little fixture. Yeah, so I guess everyone has Salah, and if you don't have Salah, you're stupid. That would be me. <laughs> or maybe you have Mane, I don't know. I did originally was going to talk about Mane, and then I was alerted to the fact that he's 11.5. And I thought, hmm. if you're going to go there, you might as well just get Salah, because it's better. Um, Is it, though? Yes. <laughs> so, but, but We'll just end it there. Yeah. But I don't I, love the Mane Salah debate. I did I'm not a fan. want to talk about Firmino because I feel like he's flown a bit under the radar. I guess because he's not as prolific as he was like whatever two three seasons ago. But at nine point five, I think he's an extremely reasonable price for a striker with two goals and two assists thus far, and he's definitely like a differential option. Like for example, mm. if you if you don't, hmm, I don't know in what scenario well I don't know in what scenario I'd get him depending on my Liverpool players but for example if I was going for slightly cheaper strikers and I didn't want Vardy because uh, Leicester's fixtures aren't that great coming up like they play like Man City and Liverpool in the next four yeah yeah so if I wasn't like going there but I didn't want a striker who is really expensive then I might look at Firmino but I also I don't really know how he fits in with uh, other Liverpool attackers that you might have. Hmm. But I just think he's an interesting one to point out. Yeah, uh, and I, I think to add on to what you were saying there, like the scenario in which you get Firmino over Vardy for me is if you're like me and you have Tielemans or maybe you have Madison. Yeah. I don't think you want to double up on Leicester right now because of those fixtures, yeah. but they're definitely like, they look really decent and I... I We'll talk about them a bit later because I, I have a few things to say. But yeah, I think in that scenario, then Firmino could be a very viable option if you have that that cash up front. Mm. And it's kind of, we're starting to see, you know, there are some good options up front. Um, a number of guys who are, have performed quite well at quite reasonable prices. And I'm interested to see how that develops. I'd probably be a little bit hesitant to go for Firmino um, purely because... 
I just love the defense so much. And it's really hard this season because you have the two teams who are so good. Um, I don't love the idea of like really going overboard on City and Liverpool. And that's why I'm sort of in a situation where I have three City players and one Liverpool player. Um, because I feel like any more than that, I just unbalance my team so much. And maybe Firmino does represent a nice little midpoint there where you can get someone from Liverpool, but you're not sort of paying over the odds. Yeah. And I'd f- Sorry, continue. Go on, no, you go. I'd forgotten that I'd written this, but actually my thinking originally when I did write this was that if you had got rid of a third Liverpool player by getting rid of a second defender that you had... Hmm. then maybe you could switch, like maybe then your third level player could could become Firmino. Yeah. Yeah, uh, the thing I struggle with with Firmino is just I find him so hard to predict because yeah. he's, so, he's so good. But like his, his style of play is all in service of Mane and um, Salah. And I thought yeah. what was particularly funny was um, obviously, you know, there was a, the scandal with Mane like freaking out because Salah didn't pass to him. Yes. Which was scandalous. Like the the one where um, Salah just has the the ball on the edge of the box and Firmino is standing in acres of space and Salah just chooses to take this like awful tame shot instead was ridiculous because that would have been a guaranteed Firmino goal. But the goal that Firmino did score, I found it amusing that that also wasn't a pass, but Salah assisted it. It was because he was trying to dribble past literally everyone yeah. and he lost control. And Firmino was just like, okay, I'm just going to kick it then. Yeah. This could be an interesting wildcard option considering they play Newcastle next and then Chelsea after that. And I, I do think someone could probably prove me wrong on this but <laughs> because I don't have stats in front of me. But I feel like Firmino is a good sort of big game player and he is one that loves to pop up with goals in the, the top six clashes. And they face Chelsea away after that. Chelsea look like they could be in a lot of trouble against a team like Liverpool, considering how they've been playing lately. So I think there is certainly... He is certainly certainly an option. Defenders, thoughts? I mean, I'm just sticking with Van Dijk at the moment. That's that's where I'm at. I still think they're going to be, by far, like them and City, amazing value defenders. Yeah, I think you should stick with... If you have one, stick with whoever they are. Yeah. If you have two, well, if you've waited this long and you still have two and you're not on a wild card, you might as well just keep them both now. Yeah, honestly, I think that's the right thing to do. Like, they will keep loads of clean sheets in the next, like, eight games. Yeah, but I have the juice that I do think Alexander-Arnold is the best one. But I don't think anyone should make a sideways move to get him in because it's a waste of your time. Like, uh, in that situation, obviously, he's the one who's had the positive outcomes in recent weeks. Yeah. So it's very easy to make that conclusion that he is the best one. And I think he probably marginally is. But then at the same time, like like you say, don't make the sideways move because the week you switch Robertson out for Trent is the week that Robertson assists and scores. And I know exactly. that's not I know that's not science, but, but it like, is. But like that is FPL science right there. Like this is the kind of shit that happens. And uh at the end of the day, like both of them are amazing options. Trent is probably ever so slightly better because he plays as like the main chance creator outside of Firmino. But 
I don't know. I, I just think that, yeah, stick with the guys you got, unless you're on a wild card and maybe you just want to take that that punt and move to Trent. Um, elsewhere, I don't think there's anyone in midfield outside of Mane and Salah to look at. So it's kind of the same old with these guys. Right. Uh, next. Who, who do you want to talk about next? Burnley, please. All right. Burnley, baby. They've been doing quite well, I think, considering we didn't think they had particularly nice fixtures to start the season with. But they continue to have extremely nice fixtures for the next four weeks with Brighton away, Norwich at home, Villa away, Everton at home. So I've got my personal sort of, you know, very unscientific fixture list up in front of me. Yep. And uh, the code is basically green or nothing. (laughs) So like I assume if it's a good fixture... In my opinion, I just put it green. And I've got in the next one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I've got seven greens for them. Yeah, it's looking nice, isn't it? Yeah, and that is from not a defensive perspective, but from a an attacking yeah. perspective. So games I think they can get goals in. And two of the players we got on this list are Barnes, who's now up to 6.7, and Dwight McNeil, who's still only 6.0. And to be honest... He is the the standout for me, I think, because he just looks absolutely fantastic. Barnes, I think he's in a slightly crowded position. Like there are a lot of, I don't know. Do you, do you have any love for Barnes? Are you thinking that he's better than say someone like Allaire? He's a bit cheaper. He's point eight cheaper. Um, I don't know. I think um... is he better than Puki? I mean, the thing is, he's more experienced in the Premier League than those two players. Yeah. Um, but does that account for an amount to anything? I don't know. <laughs> well, I would say that Burnley are a proper team now. Like they, the year before last and maybe even last year as well, like they struggled a lot with the Europa situation, but like they they play really good football now. They're actually quite exciting to watch. They're not just like boring sort of Stoke football. It's, I think Barnes is actually a really quite talented footballer. So I, I do like it. I don't know. I don't know if I'd be going for Barnes now. I, f- I would worry just because of the law of averages that I would get him in now and he would stop scoring and Wood would suddenly start scoring, which is why I kind of like the idea of McNeil a little bit better. Yeah, uh, I like that McNeil's a little bit cheaper, uh, 6.0 midfielder. I, it's kind of tricky because I think like, Barnes did have really good XG numbers last season as well. So he is a player that that gets himself into great positions. Um, the player who looks exciting on the eye, I think, is McNeil. And I, I just think it's kind of easier. You know, you only have three slots for strikers, right? Yeah. You have five for midfielders. And if you want to go for someone who has good fixtures and is also... It's very easy to move him back out for someone who's also still quite good because uh, there are a lot of players in the sort of 5.5 to like 6.5 range. I feel like that position is so flexible. Whereas the striker, I don't know. I think there are just too many good options there at similar prices who have maybe a little bit more pedigree. So Pookie or Barnes, which should you pick of the two? Because I'm looking at Norwich and I'm like, they have Man City, Burnley, Crystal Palace, Villa next. Those those fixtures look horrible to me. Do you think? Yeah. Okay. Well, Man City, obviously. Yeah. But like Burnley, Crystal Palace and Aston Villa, those are three teams that can really defend. Okay. And I know Nor- Norwich... So this is what I'm talking about when, you know, people look at, oh, Norwich, they're playing like attacking football, they can score against anyone. 
But if we look at who they've actually played for the start of this season, right? They've had, well, West Ham, they barely created a chance against last week, which is kind of alien when you think about West Ham's defending. Before that, they played Chelsea, who basically fall apart after 60 minutes and they scored two goals. Before that, they played Newcastle, who were at the time in a little bit of crisis. And before that, they played Liverpool on the first day of the season. It was all a bit crazy and they lost 4-1. They scored when Liverpool were were like three goals up. So I am actually thinking that Barnes is a much more reliable pick and is 0.3 cheaper than Pookie. Yeah. I mean, definitely f- faced with Barnes or Pookie now, I would pick Barnes. Would you transfer Pookie out <laughs> for Barnes? Would you risk it? Do you think that's too risky? Would I transfer Pookie out for Barnes? I don't know. Um, I guess it depends. You know what? It would depend on how much I needed that striker to be playing this week in, exactly yeah. because i i wouldn't maybe i would play pookie this week i'm not playing Cantwell this week yeah just i think it's a waste and i think that uh diop and dunk are more likely to get more points than Cantwell is. so yeah that would be that would be the decision i would make between barnes and pookie yeah yeah i think it's an interesting one um Certainly, uh, I imagine some people are upset hearing this because Pookie has been like the golden boy of the start of the season. But I do think he's really going to struggle when he comes up against better defensive opposition. That's not to say he's not a very good player, um, because I think he is from what I've seen. But I just don't feel like we know enough about him yet. Uh, So, yeah, like McNeil looks really nice. And also you've got Nick Pope on this list, who I'm a big fan of. Yeah, I've never particularly, apart from last season where... Uh, Hart came in um, I've never particularly been interested in defenders for Burnley hmm. I, do, I've, I don't like it, it feels a lot riskier than just having Nick Pope there um, but yeah 4.6, they've only kept one clean sheet this season so far I think, but he made 7 saves against Arsenal and 5 saves against Liverpool which is nice Yeah. and, with, and also as discussed they have had not particularly nice fixtures so far this yeah. season but with the four well for argument's sake with for the four coming up they there can be clean sheets here i can see it i believe in nick pope yeah i i same thing as i said earlier like i've got seven of these 10 as green for burnley and I, there are some hard ones in there for sure like everton could be a tricky one i was really impressed with them uh in, in their last game whoever it was they played um wolves, wolves that was it but Actually, I think Burnley on their day, like they are very, very good defensively. And Nick Pope, even if they do concede, like you say, he, he's very likely to make saves. And uh, that's in part due to the way that, that Burnley defend uh, and make the opposition take a lot of long shots. So at 4.6, he is much better value than any goalkeeper upwards of uh, 5 million or up, I think. And... He is absolutely, I mean, he's the guy I started the season with and I just think he's a really, really good player and maybe a little bit underrated considering his season out injured. So he's definitely where you should be looking at if you if you're on a wild card right now and you need a goalkeeper, like absolutely Nick Pope should be in there unless you're running with a sort of big, big gun goalkeeper like Edison and, and someone cheaper. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like a, amazing goalkeeper. I think his value will go up over the season. Also known to save a penalty a few times. So 
you could potentially see a, a couple of saves. Uh, let's move on to the other Claret and Blues, the West Ham boys. I don't think that's their real nickname, but <laughs> they uh, they have one player who stands out. And I was just watching Match of the Day before recording this podcast because last week I tried watching it like four times. They have some very good fixtures in terms of attacking potential. Yeah, for sure. And I thought they looked fantastic against Norwich. They, uh, again, this is from highlights. So I didn't see the full game and I wish I could have seen the full game because I'm really, really interested by West Ham this season. But everything I've heard about Ella is that he's a, a player who's sort of risen through the ranks quite slowly. He's, you know, a lot of young players, like they'll get a lot of hype about them. They'll sort of move to a big club. I mean, it happened with Wilfred Zaha. He went to Man United uh, from, I think it was from Crystal Palace originally. And he just never got a game there. And, and he ended up going back to Crystal Palace and, and doing well again, working his way back up. But Alain seems to me like the kind of player who's gradually sort of built up his his knowledge of the game. And he's got a wealth of experience in different leagues. He's also very, very strong and very physical, which is perfect for the Premier League. And his goal against Norwich was just exactly what you want from a fantasy football player it's like nothing too fancy he's just in the box right place right time and he finishes it with with just consummate ease 7.5 he has to be a a very very intriguing option with Aston Villa Man United Bournemouth and Crystal Palace next talk to me Natalie how do you feel about this guy I really want him and I'm sad that that was me last week like the only way I could have got him was with the minus four and even though I know it's mathematically a bad call to make, I, I just wanted it emotionally. I wanted him in my team. Meanwhile, I'm stuck with Danny Ings. Yeah, to be fair, Which Danny Ings... It's fine. I like, I'm not even mad about it, but I would rather have Ella. Yeah. And, and, you know, Southampton have Sheffield United and Bournemouth next. So it's well, not... Quite. It's not all bad, but... No. You look at West Ham and... I look across the squad and I think like where are the the good fancy options obviously me and you both have Diop uh, I think Fabianski would be a good option if he wasn't 0.5 million yeah, more expensive this that's season crazy it's kind of crazy but it's also not because it felt like last season he should have been 5 million and it was well, like <laughs> it was like we got kind of a, a solid from from FPL but yeah I just think he's got a, a really, really good price. He's a player who's very experienced. He's clearly a very good finisher. And he's taken to the league like a, a duck to water, as they say. So I'm really, really excited by him. I think the West Ham's performance against Norwich showed a lot of promise. Um, and also he did well against Man City. He, you know, the first game of the season, they got battered. But like, he just seems a really, really smart player. He seems like the kind who could get assists and he'll get goals. And he's... He's everything. So, I mean, why why would you not get him? Mm. Is there any reason not to? And especially no, really. with Man United at home after Villa, I'd be all over that. The thing is as well, he fits in any kind of team setup. So even if you have got a premium striker at like 12 or above or whatever, yeah. like Alaire still works alongside that at 7.5. That's so reasonable. Yeah, exactly. It's I think for the team I started the season with, he was just slightly outside of it because... He was one of one of the players I was sort of looking at who I'd heard good things about, but I was like, I only want to take sort of one or two risks with my with my early team setup. And after a few weeks, I was like, yeah, I need to get this guy. So I started making moves to that was 
part of the reason I got rid of Robertson uh, and went down to Walker. And yeah, I think if you can get him in, if you're on a wild card, especially, I would absolutely be going for this guy. I mean, other options are Lanzini, who's a Lanzini. I really, really like as a player. I've always, he's up to six point five, so he must have dropped and come back up. I don't think he's going to be as consistent as someone like Allaire. That's yeah. why I don't want him. And I think there are other sort of 6.5 million midfield options that are probably slightly better. Uh, Yarmolenko is maybe worth a shout. He's at 5.9, scored a really nice goal in this last game. But I don't really know enough about him. And Was Philippe... he out a lot last season? Did he get injured yeah. like really soon after he joined? Yeah, he broke his leg. So oh. he's he'd been out for like 10 months big injured yeah yeah it was a a real injury so he came back and he looked sharp I think he's he's probably the only other midfield option I'd look at actually because 5.9 is a good price Felipe Anderson I think he's a brilliant player Uh, I think a lot of the a lot of the play from West Ham goes through him but his role seems to be more to get the ball from their half to the other half and then it's sort of like the ball gets pinged around and eventually it's the goal is to find Allaire or someone like Lanzini and I think if you look at a lot of Felipe Anderson's goals last season they were shots outside the box and while those are very good and very exciting and great like you don't score many of those so it's kind of a riskier gamble and he's 6.9 is a bit too expensive I think but you never know it could all change in due course yeah West Ham very, very excited about them at the moment. I, I'm not so sure about this Spurs chat that we have here. So do you want to was, sell this to me? Yes and no. So I just picked out Spurs because their next four fixtures, right? Are mm. Palace at home, Leicester away, Southampton at home and Brighton away. Yeah. I, I don't think these are bad fixtures at all for like generic a generic stock. For a stock football team, those right, okay. fixtures are all right. But the problem is that it's Spurs and I couldn't even dream of trying to sell a Spurs player to Hmm. anyone to put in their FPL team. But I don't want anyone atting me being like, you didn't mention those Spurs fixtures. They're quite good, actually. Okay. So I just wanted to put them out there that I am aware that these fixtures, like, on the surface, are pretty all right. Yeah. But... I couldn't tell you to get Caden because I think that's a joke and you might as well have Aguero. Yeah. Uh, okay, I'm into it. Like, so they're for, you know, audio listeners, which is everyone who yeah. listens to this podcast. That's how this podcast works. Yep. yep. <laughs> Crystal Palace at home is their next fixture. Then it's Leicester away. Then it's Southampton at home. Then I it's Brighton away. I know, but I, I want to talk, talk through this. So Crystal okay. Palace at home. Um, Crystal Palace notoriously good in big six away games because they are the masters of just stinking the place out defensively um and spurs against newcastle obviously lost and just had a torrid time trying to create chances and i know maybe like some of this would be down to oh pochettino's been moaning about like the transfer window and ericsson wants to go blah 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 so he's left all these players on the bench that there are mitigating circumstances which i understand um but the problem I have from watching Spurs lately is just uh, obviously the Arsenal game um, was the last one. And <laughs> as an Arsenal fan, very, very disappointed by the two goals we gave away. But they were very Arsenal goals to give away. So I'm kind of cool with it. I made my peace with it. But Palace aren't going to do that. 
Palace aren't going to give them an easy penalty. And I don't know, maybe this is relying on some kind of VAR, but even Kane, when he goes down, like Spurs tend to get a lot of penalties, I think. And, you know, I'm not saying anything by that, but it's not working for Kane at the moment. And yeah, I I just look at the players they have and like Lucas Moura would maybe be one you'd look at because he's well-priced, but he's not starting. Uh, Lo Celso is the other guy, but he's not starting yet. And then Harry Kane, when the alternative is Aubameyang or Aguero or even Allaire, like I don't know that Harry Kane is outside of getting penalties or if you gift him a chance, like I'm really quite worried about how this Spurs team are performing at the moment. And I think Leicester is going to be a tough game away from home. Although they do tend to score sort of like seven goals against them. So you never know. Um, And then there's Southampton at home, Brighton away. I don't know. These all just look like banana skins for me. And maybe that's because I'm too sort of checked out on Spurs at the moment. It just seems like a risk. And unless you're a Spurs fan and you really feel like you're you're back in the team, you know, you know they're going to turn a corner, which, you know, I've been known to do with Arsenal last season when they very much didn't turn a corner. I I find it hard to sell them based on what I've seen so far. And I think there are just much, much better options. It's a no from me all round. Uh, it's a no from everyone. Yeah. And the, the prices as well, like... Guys like Ericsson, they're just way too expensive for what they offer in FPL. There were, like two seasons ago, I, th- I think Spurs were really, really good. And it seems like they're on this sort of, this path down at the moment that it, it could change in sort of six, seven games. They could be back on form. But I don't know, it, it feels all wrong to me at the moment. And that's just sort of my gut feeling. Um, okay, so you've also compiled a little list of ones to watch. Yeah, so it's... Players or teams where the fixtures aren't particularly great, but I think it's worth keeping an eye on. Yeah, okay, I agree with that. So Tammy Abraham, first on the list, 7.2. Yeah, what a guy. He's um, he's looked really good, right? Yeah. Uh, next two fixtures aren't ideal. They are Wolves away and Liverpool at home. But after that, it looks very agreeable. The two after that are Brighton at home and Southampton away. Maybe hold off until game with someone unless you're on a wild card. Do whatever the fuck you want, to be honest. But that's the situation. Probably don't get him in until game week seven. Two goals and three bonus points in each of the last two games that he hmm. has played. Yeah, and that was kind of unexpected because uh, we were talking around like, what, game week three or something? Was it before game week three when we were like, oh, we were looking at this week as this was the week where we'd bring in a Chelsea before striker? Before game week one, we were saying... Game, Game week, week three, three is when we bring in the Chelsea strike. But it seems like Tammy's got, he's got the trust of, of Lamps now. And the one thing I would say is the two goals that Tammy scored against Sheffield United came from relatively horrible defensive mistakes. Also from a team that isn't typically known for defensive mistakes. And yeah, coming up against Wolves away from home next, Wolves have looked a bit, uh, they've looked a bit um, shaky early in the season maybe more from an attacking point of view like they haven't been able to to win many games but I just think they have the know-how and Frank Lampard he's an inexperienced coach it seems like the way that Chelsea are playing at the moment is they need to do everything in the first 45 minutes after that they get so tired and they just look so open defensively but that of course doesn't matter for Tammy Abraham because if he scores in the first 45 minutes two or three times, you're fine. That's obviously a reason to avoid Chelsea defenders and, and Kepa, but I do think um, they certainly look 
bright in an attacking sense. I just worry if it gets past that sort of 45 minute mark, what happens after that? Yeah. Also, Jamie Vardy on this list. He's up to 8.9 now, which still seems like a good price, actually. He was started at nine. So he's down to 8.9. Oh, right. Okay. Damn. How did he go down? People got rid after game week two. Wow. Because people are stupid. Okay, Vardy looks really, really impressive. Um, as I was saying, watch match of the day just before this podcast. And Ayose Perez came out of the team. So it's probably time to get rid, even though I've done it. If you, if you have held on and I, you know, I went on record on Twitter saying, you know, let's hold on to this guy for one more week. And it worked out well for me because he didn't play at all. But yeah, he doesn't seem to fit in the team at the moment. But I do think the consequence of that was that the team was way better set up to serve Vardy as he was just up front on his own, chasing everything down like a madman. And that's kind of what works for Vardy. So, yeah, I mean, Man United, Tottenham, Newcastle and Liverpool next. What does Jamie Vardy love to do? He loves to score against top six sides. Yeah, I definitely, if you have Vardy, I definitely wouldn't get rid at the moment. I'd ride this out. Like, mm. I, yeah, I don't think, definitely I don't think Man United is a bad fixture. Yeah. Spurs, I really don't know. Newcastle's obviously a good fixture and Liverpool is obviously a terrible fixture. But I think it's worth sticking with and seeing what he gets up to. And uh, special mention for Tillemans at 6.4 as well. He's he's dropped since the start of the season. But I think those two are going to have a really good partnership. And I kind of like how Tillemans plays. I think he's a very smart player. He knows where to stand at the right time. And his goal against um, Bournemouth was testament to that, even though it was an awful finish. Uh, and also, he's a yeah, just a very good technician. So he's a good alternative if you can't afford Vardy or your striker slot's already full. This Robinson guy from Sheffield United is Callum Robinson, right? I have no idea. And to be quite honest, everybody... I've no idea why I've written him down. But whilst watching Match of the Day a week ago, I put his name down on the sheet. He is Callum. Good for him. I got it right. He scored a goal and he, he did an assist against Chelsea. And that's all I can recall. Yeah. And he's 5.3. And he's 5.3. And that's pretty much all I can tell anybody right now. Yeah, I, he's potentially a good enabler. Uh, Maybe he just looked good and I like the look of him. Uh, I loved his passion when he scored the goal. Like, it really looked like it meant something. And... That counts for a lot for me. <laughs> Maybe I'm just a, a dumb freaking basic bitch fan. But it's a similar feeling to what I got when Ceballos um, got the assist for Aubameyang against Burnley. I, I just love to see that. And you always think, you know, if a player reacts like that to scoring a goal, they're going to work extra hard to score more. So I do like that about him. Southampton next, Everton after that, Liverpool after that and Watford after oh, that. Oh, I don't but, think the fixtures are good at yeah. all. But, but he's, he's potentially good. I mean, the... The thing is, like, he's more expensive than Cantwell, so maybe you wait and see on a guy like him. But yeah, he, I thought he looked decent. I thought he's um, potentially one to look at. Well, so you got, uh, <laughs> you put Watford in here for the new manager bounce. So yeah. the news broke today. Uh, Kike Sanchez Flores making a return to Watford. I've literally never heard of this man. I'm sure you were playing fantasy when he was at Watford I before. Was, it was, but a, I still have never heard of him. It was the Igalo season. Uh, do you remember Igalo? Igalo yeah. and Dini were like smashing it. But then, I don't re- oh, I don't know. I don't remember Igalo like being good. Uh, he was also bad the season after. So Yeah, that's all I remember really. Yeah, he, he was really, really good. He was really cheap one season. The thing that was interesting about Kike Sanchez Flores, I, 
I didn't look into this in like mega detail because I think really the question you have to ask yourself is more my players who are playing Watford, do they have a good fixture or a bad fixture rather than should I get Watford players in? Because we, uh, they, they haven't started particularly well. And with um, Arsenal and Man City next, you definitely shouldn't be getting Watford yeah, players in. Just, just don't, just don't. Even if you think Arsenal's defence is shit, like, come on it's now. It's not worth it. <laughs> so I, I think the interesting thing that came from it, though, was that their home form was really quite good, particularly defensively. Uh, so I think they only conceded three goals twice or something like that. And they had like 10 clean sheets at home. So that's mm. maybe something to look for because we are looking for, you know, cheap defenders who, who can reliably keep clean sheets and maybe Watford turn out to, to be decent. But I think the personnel defensively is really poor for Watford. So the players I'd be looking at would more be guys like Welbeck and Saar, the new signings. Maybe De La Feu, I mean... I'm a little bit bummed out because I lost a lot of money on De La Feu and also Shea Adams, who I still have in my team. I've I've held fire on the wild card because I just don't want to make, I don't want to waste it. But like, yeah, that that was a, a bad move for me starting with De La Feu. Uh, have we got anyone else to look at? I, I feel like we've we've missed out a certain red team. Yeah, because I I don't put him in because I know you're gonna rant. Yeah, about I'm him gonna for talk half about hour anyway. Hey, Pepe's down to nine point four. Get him in bloody brilliant he's he's no on the cusp he's on the cusp i swear i'm doing kdb to pepe in uh, after the norwich game i think because man city play watford after that newfound defensively uh, solid watford and arsenal play villa at home pepe in yes baby it's gonna be great yeah there's actually nothing else to say about arsenal really well, that's kind of it isn't it it's <laughs> the same old also Aubameyang, you know i Probably anyone who's listened to this podcast before today, they know that I'm going to go on for about 10 minutes about how great he is. But he is a very, very good striker at scoring the goals. And at 11 million, like, absolutely get that guy in because they've got a lovely little run of fixtures. Aguero or Aubameyang? Well, definitely Aubameyang because he's like 1. Uh, 1. 1.1 million cheaper. Okay, well, definitely Aguero because he's probably going to score more. Ah, uh, but see, I don't think that's cut and dry at all. I, I think that's... I do. Uh, I think with Aguero, he's more likely to score five goals in one game, but I feel like Aubameyang is more likely to score like okay. five goals over five games, if you know Let's what I mean. Let's like, come back uh, during the next international break and see whether Aguero or Aubameyang scored more goals in the next four games. Okay, okay, That's cool. It. I like it. So when is that? Uh, so the next four game weeks. So after game week eight, how many, who has scored the most he goals? He scored more goals. Okay. I'll put it in the clean sheet cups spreadsheet. Excellent. So I love I this. It. I love this bit of friendly competition. Yeah, I did just want to mention, actually, before we forget that obviously if we'd done a podcast last weekend, this would have been front and centre of the episode. Yeah. But I would like to, and I can't really remember what actually happened, but I would like to just touch on the Aston Villa referee whistleblowing um, oh, conspiracy. Oh, scandal. Yeah. Because it was nuts. And I was fully on board with a full-blown investigation into it. Yeah, um, I'm sure most people have probably forgotten, as have I. But I did just want to make sure that I was f- fully gassed at the time. Yeah, for for anyone who did miss it, yeah, basically Grealish was falling over because someone in the Palace, t- it was Zaha, I think, like tripped him. He managed to stay on his feet long enough to get a pass off to Lansbury, who scored a goal. But just before scoring the goal, the ref blew the whistle. Or did he? Or did he? Or did he? Because on Match of the Day, they pointed out that he doesn't even 
lift the whistle to his lips and it's like what happened i don't understand it oh it's it's crazy i i mean the thing is like too much time has passed for me to care <laughs> in like any major way but i still care quite a lot maybe i should phrase that better to care enough to be like boiling an investigation into yeah it. yeah but like it is ridiculous and aston villa were robbed and also anyone who had like a, a palace defender or, or guaita in goal yeah. You struck lucky, you little bastards. I guess I did with Tillemans not being sent off too, but what do you think of Tim Cahill? Oh, yeah. yeah. He was <laughs> yeah. the one who kept saying Hammer. The Australian one, yeah. And I was really mad. I hate um, him. I think he's an awful pundit. Yeah, no, it pissed me off because he couldn't pronounce anyone's name correctly and I was like, fucking read Danny Jameson's thread on Twitter and then come back to me and then you can be a pundit on Match of the Day. Until yeah. then, you can fuck off back to wherever the fuck you live at the moment <laughs> um yeah i don't know about his business like is he here does he have a job here i don't really know what his deal is like why was he there was ian Wright unavailable <laughs> i no. cahill's clearly being contracted to do a lot of match of the day this year and why i don't love him he you know when someone just strikes you a little bit the wrong way you know you just get a bad vibe from There's him something about his face i just don't like is it was the the VAR conspiracy with him and Danny Murphy where they were like basically talking about it like it was Brexit. Also, like, fine. Like, there's new technology. There are going to be road bumps along the way. Not everyone's going to be happy with it. But like, how do you think advances in anything happen? Like, yeah, there has to be some kind of learning period. And I think this is in part, you know, just due to the fact that we get outraged about literally everything that happens in football every week and we moan about it all week and then we get to the new outrage next week quick mention for two players who or maybe three players we got wilson wilson and fraser wilson scored and he's dropping in price like crazy he's down to 7.8 now i did find it funny that he got stamped on um scored a goal and got booked and it was just kind of a, a great sort of tale of injustice where like Tillemans could have potentially been sent off and instead Wilson gets booked for diving. But what do you think about these guys? Do you think um, there's any value in, in these days? I mean, I think I know why Wilson is dropping because 8.0 was just a bit too high for him. Yeah. Even though he's returning consistently. Is he? Uh, yeah, like I think he's returned every week so far. Um, yeah, Has he, he? He's had five points every week. Oh, yes, of course. Yeah. Um... Which is good. Like, 20 points over four weeks is good, but I guess yeah. people have seen guys like Alain and, you know, you get your eye, uh, those eye-catching performances of someone scoring, like, two goals in a game, like Jamie Vardy, and then people are looking at Aguero and I need to get him in my team. And I, I, I think there is something to be said for him. And I, I got rid of Fraser. I, I think Fraser is probably too expensive, actually, and he's even dropped to 7.3. Are you just sort of out on Bournemouth at the moment? Yeah, I need to see more. Yeah. Like, I need to see some consistency from yeah. the team, not just from Callum Wilson. And, and also, Harry Wilson is the cheapest at 6.0. So, he's maybe, if you're looking at a 6.0 slot, someone like McNeil or Harry Wilson could be a good shout. Yeah. McNeil maybe looks a little bit more promising to me overall. I, I think the thing about Harry Wilson, again, it's this is maybe my personal bias for guys who score spectacular goals i don't always love getting them in my team because they seem like things that aren't going to happen every week a la uh matey boy townsend andros yeah um yeah so i don't know i don't know 
what are we moving on to? Uh, domestic. Uh, yeah, if anyone has looked at this this weekend, I don't know how long it's been like this, but the league is completely fucked. We currently don't have a first place, and I don't know why. I don't know whether that's because the gal who was in first place last season, uh, last week, sorry, has either left the league or deleted her account. I do not know. I can't why tell you. Why would you do that? <laughs> I don't know, but it's completely fucked it. Um, and on the website, you can't see past 50th. But on the app, you can scroll down to, like, see where I am at 108. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's so weird. It is really weird, and it's really annoying. Um, but last week's top scorer was Ryan Alexander with 89 points. Yes, Ryan. He Captain Vardy, which is what I wanted to do, but Dan told me not to do. So I'm really glad you took my advice and did Captain Vardy, because shout out to you. I would just like to uh, to announce to the listeners of the podcast, you, you do have control over your own team. I don't have you like locked in a closet where I'm like, no, you, you captain him or I'll not let you out. Like that's that's not what's happening here. Okay. Okay. Nice. And also we'd like to say a big thank you to Stevie Sull and KP245. I don't know who you are. Kate, <laughs> is it Katy Perry? Mm, possibly. Uh, I, you, we can't rule it out. <laughs> we um, can't we never know it's from the uk though yeah that's true hmm. um but if anyone has seen that episode of catfish the katie perry one then maybe it's more feasible it's times like this i wish i was more cultured and man that katie perry episode of catfish is the katie perry one and the bow wow one are the two yeah. best episodes of catfish the end go and watch them good show good show great show uh thank you so much both of you um for your apple reviews they were really really lovely and we were very pleased yeah. and also just while we're here, if you wanted to review, um, rate and review us on Apple, that would be really nice. Especially if you're not in the UK, because each um, the reviews don't carry over like globally. Hmm. So you'll only see reviews and ratings in your territory. But yeah, that that's amazing reviews uh, from you two, and yeah, five stars from everyone, please. It would be amazing, and also the great thing about that is it introduces us to more and more people, and then you know they can get great fantasy football content and we can hashtag all be content. we can all be yeah hashtag content. we can all be content with our content absolutely that should be our tagline cool right cool um game week five onto the the fifth game week of the season we go and so we've got a big problem uh-oh what's that <laughs> it's that the twelve thirty is the fixture you'd want to do your captains in with Liverpool versus Newcastle, and it's posing quite a situation. Okay, so uh, I actually wouldn't. Um, I, I mean, I don't have Incorrect, Salah anyway. But okay. Uh, so, right, okay. So twelve thirty, Liverpool versus Newcastle at Anfield. Yes, on paper that is great, but then Newcastle. I know Spurs are, you know, in a bit of a, a muddle at the moment. But the way that Newcastle played against Spurs. They're going to play exactly that way against Liverpool. And they're actually quite good at it. <laughs> so I don't know if I'd be looking to captain in this game purely because, like, Liverpool look more solid defensively than going forward at the moment. Like, they've been quite wasteful. And, I mean, that's partly due to Salah just shooting every time he gets a ball rather than picking a better option, which is great for fantasy, I guess, because you're like, yeah, like, he's increasing his chances to score. But also, 
I don't know. I'm just a little bit unsure. Maybe that's me just being biased because I don't have him in my team. I'd feel fairly confident not captaining a Liverpool like attacker in this. Okay. Do you, uh, so aside from your 12:30 bias, like what is this like a genuine point of contention? Are you are you really struggling with this decision or? No, I'm not struggling because I'm just not going to do it. Right. Okay. But it's annoying. So you're breaking the. Uh, you're not breaking the 12:30 rule. You're Correct. just upset by it. Yes. Okay, we have a bunch of 3pms, which is always good. Big fan. Uh, I shall be putting accumulators on. We have Brighton against Burnley. Uh, Man United against Leicester. Sheffield United against Southampton. Spurs against Crystal Palace. And Wolves against Chelsea. Mm. No real captainable fixtures here, I don't think. Uh, No, they're all quite tricky. Yeah, I mean, I like the Man United-Leicester one. That looks really interesting. And also Brighton-Burnley, because Brighton are playing a new brand of football now and I actually thought we we didn't talk about them earlier but like Trossard could have could have feasibly walked away with at least one goal if not two against Man City if it wasn't for some pretty bad finishing so I like the look of him and I think Burnley you know play this sort of fun direct style and it could be a really interesting matchup of two sort of similar but different styles um and Man United Leicester, I think there's a big opportunity for Vardy here. I think I'd yeah. absolutely be playing my Leicester players. Yeah, I'm quite looking forward to Rashford and Vardy here. Yeah. Like after this game, I don't care about Rashford, but yeah. I'm just interested to see how it plays out. Yeah, and I think the way that Leicester play, they're not the most defensively sound team. So you could see Man United getting them on the break, but I think Leicester are the better team really. And they should be able to to win this game or at least walk away with a draw. Um, but you never know. You never know. Ollie's wonder boys may come away with an amazing result in the end. Uh, Sheffield United, Southampton, also an interesting one. Uh, Sheffield United, very solid defensively. I think Southampton actually proved themselves to be pretty strong defensively in the end as well with um, your boy Vestergaard playing a really, really good game and scoring a towering header, which... Yeah, you'd hope because he is like six foot ten or yeah. whatever. Yeah, I think the interesting thing was in the game against United was Daniel James scored again and he seems to just score like quite improbable goals actually from awkward angles. Uh, But Southampton overall were the better team in this game. And if it wasn't for... Who was the player who got sent off? Danzo. Danzo, that's it, the defender. So basically he played out of position um, because I think... uh, Not Redmond, um, the left back freaking Bertrand was out or something and he played left back and he was totally like out of his depth it was the wrong position for him he's a central defender and it caused a lot of problems defensively but he made this like he he got booked rightfully so like a really good foul stopping a counter-attack and then for some reason he just decided to take this Man United player out when he was gone when you're on a yellow card you just have to let him go you can't you can't make that foul got a second yellow, red card. And then after that, it was just chaos because it was like Southampton were dominating the game up to that point and it just became like, it gave Man United a bit more of a foothold. But um, I feel pretty confident about Southampton going forward and I think this should be an interesting test for them because it's a team who are solid defensively and Southampton just want to run all the time like crazy. And also I think you could be you could be potentially getting some value in a guy like Vestergaard and also Angus Gunn, who I chose to play over Nick Pope last week, kept a clean sheet the week before and he got five points despite conceding a goal. 
That's quite good. Yeah, so he got seven saves in total and a bonus point. Mm. And that was pretty banging. So I think he's starting to show himself to be quite a good a good little goalkeeper. Um, and there's a few in that sort of cheaper range. I think it's it's definitely worth looking at that. I mean, Tom Heaton, again, unlucky, had another good game. Oh, yeah, Henderson also, if, if not for some bad mistakes. I think he's looking really, really promising. Anyway, back to the week preview. <laughs> uh, what else have we got? Yeah, Wolves-Chelsea, that could be a tough game. Spurs, uh, Palace. Th- those two, to me, look like they could be quite sort of cagey. And you don't really know what's going to happen in them. Yeah. Then the late kickoff. Uh, Norwich-Man City at 5.30. This this is the clear and obvious captain game for me, I think. Like, Norwich play an attacking brand of football. We all saw what happened to Brighton when they did that against City. And actually, I, I think you could argue they're a little bit unlucky because there were some moments of real brilliance from City that you wouldn't expect from other teams in the league. But this has to be a big opportunity. I like the positioning of the game. It, it just feels right, right? Like, that's a good captain time. What are you saying? Are, are you going for a, a City boy? Yeah, I'm going to have to captain Sterling. Yeah. And I hesitated away from it last week. I, I went to Aubameyang, which turned out to be the right choice based on the outcome. Um, but it was it was worrying while City were playing, especially considering they, they ended up scoring five. But yeah, Aubameyang just about outscored him. I think this is a game that's going to have a lot of goals in it. And you'd probably be looking at your City players first for, for any of the games this week. Because also on Sunday, we have... Bournemouth versus Everton is the early kickoff and Watford versus Arsenal at 4.30. The Arsenal one is away from home, which is why I'm probably not going to be captain Aubameyang. And also Aubameyang still kind of a, a bit of a differential from a lot of people in, in sort of my mini leagues, at least. Yeah, there's no one else really. I mean, I was really impressed with Iwobi against uh, Wolves. thought he was really good. Also thought Richarlison was really good. I just don't know if he's going to be consistent enough. But that does look like a sort of interesting game to me and a, a potentially new look Watford with Kike Sanchez Flores at the helm. But yeah, no no captaincy choices here for me, I don't think. Unless you really are going for a differential. Well, does anyone have any Everton players? That's what I was just going to say. Yeah, like, I, I I mean, I do like the look of Iwobi because he's so cheap, but also he doesn't have a track record of being a guy who scores a lot of goals and gets yeah, a lot of assists. And you wouldn't be captaining Iwobi even if you had him. Yeah, exactly. So... Maybe the, the sort of outside shout is Allaire on Monday against Aston Villa. It's at Villa Park. Um, so away from home, maybe you're always a, a bit hesitant, but I think he could be a good outside shout. And I think the only thing that stops me from going Allaire is that... Tom Heaton. Tom Heaton is amazing. <laughs> I'd also have to wait until Monday. Uh, and that would just be like anxiety central for me, where I'd be like, oh my God, like if Aguero scores two goals or something and loads of people are captain him, I'd be like, oh God, I can't handle it. Um, but yeah, also Sterling is a midfielder and he's probably going to be the guy that gets it for me. Maybe, maybe Kevin De Bruyne. I don't know. I, I think I always still favour Sterling, especially against a team like Norwich where I feel like they can be particularly vulnerable to the City sort of cutback goal. Um, but yeah, Ale could be an interesting outside shout. And it looks like we're both on Sterling. Wraps us up for this week. Uh, um, it doesn't because we're going to do the Clean Sheet Cup. It wraps us up apart from the Clean Sheet Cup. Which, which we is... forgot to do entirely last <laughs> week. 
Okay, last game week, you said Southampton. That game finished 1-1. And I said Crystal Palace, Aston Villa, 0-0. And that oh, finished 1-0. Should have been 1-1, though. Either way, I still wouldn't have got a point. So, uh, I have no idea who's supposed to go first now. I think it's probably me. I think you went first last, last week. What is that audio? It's, it's the dishwasher. Oh, Charlie has one of those where it, make, it does like a little song. God, my house is so freaking middle class now. It's, it's like, so annoying. It's, uh, I'll go first. So what, what we got? Um, I'm going to say, I think Liverpool, It's their time has come. They're going to keep a, a clean sheet here. That's um, what I was going to say. Yeah, I, I think it's just the safest one here, really. Apart from maybe Man City. But yeah, Liverpool seems safe to me. I might say Burnley. You know what? But I might say Brighton, actually. I don't want to say a nil-nil because I don't think it will be. Yeah, I, I don't really know what to make of Brighton defensively at the moment. And also, actually, uh, Duffy didn't play last week. There no. was a new boy. Yeah, they played Webster, I think his name is. Yes. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Who's, what, their club record sign? Yeah. Um, very weird. I don't know why you would club record sign a central defender when you have Duncan Duffy already. I don't know. Was... Oh, I guess maybe because Dunk was there was talk of Dunk leaving. Yeah, and also they um they've switched to a, a different system as well with three central defenders. So right, okay. I think more than anything, it's they have to have the numbers there. I'm gonna say Southampton. Yeah, I do, I do like the look of um, Southampton getting a clean sheet this week. I've got gunning goal over Pope uh, because I do. Fa- I mean, part of it is because I have Trossard as well. But I do fancy yeah. Brighton to get a goal in that game. I think I'm playing Pope, but mostly because I don't want Heaton against uh, West Ham because I yeah. think West Ham are far more likely to score. Yeah. I, I have been a little bit impressed by Aston Villa defensively, though. I actually think that they are an interesting one to watch. Um, Tyrone Mings could be an option. Uh, I think he's 4.5 and, and obviously you've got Heaton, so you've already got your, your guy. But yeah, they're interesting. Right. So that is officially wrap-up time now. Yes. Um, Thank you, everybody, for listening. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. Of course, if you have enjoyed this, but you haven't yet subscribed to this podcast, please do, as uh, you'll never want to miss out on an episode because, you know, we're great in that. Um, As Natalie kindly said earlier, please rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts and drop us a little review if if you so wish. Uh, it would be much, much appreciated. You can also follow us online on Twitter at The Denalysis. And uh, one last thing, you can email us too. Our email address is hello at thedenalysis.com. So if you ever have any questions, any burning, uh, I don't know. Desires. Desires, like the Backstreet Boys famously did back in the day, back in like 2000, then please do email us said desires. It would be much appreciated and we'd love to hear from you. But... Until next week, we'll be back probably, what, Monday next week or something. After, But until then, lovely listeners, I bid you adieu. Goodbye.